0: Out front next, damage control, Republicans scrambling to contain the fallout after the former FBI informant at the center of their impeachment investigation was indicted for lying defending their investigation and quizzing the president's brother today behind closed doors. Plus, new details. The boyfriend of the American detained is speaking out tonight after she was arrested and charged with treason for allegedly donating just over $50 to a Ukrainian charity. Tonight, he shares what he's hearing from his girlfriend imprisoned in Russia. And a CNN exclusive. We now know a truck carrying much needed aid to thousands of people in Gaza was hit by an. Israeli airstrike despite the promise of a safe route. Let's go out front. Good evening, I'm Brianna Keeler in for Aaron Burnett out front tonight detained in Russia. New details tonight about the 33-year-old from Los Angeles who is now behind bars in Russia charged with treason after allegedly donating just about $51 to a Ukrainian charity. Her boyfriend, Chris Van Herdeen, will be joining us here in a moment. This all coming as Vladimir Putin is punishing mourners arrested at memorials for Alexei Navalny with military registration summonses, according to an independent Russian human rights group. One detained man telling Russian media that authorities threatened to break his fingers if he didn't sign the military papers. And that comes as Russia continues to gain ground along Ukraine's eastern front. One soldier seen here hoisting a Soviet victory flag over a newly captured village after a key victory seizing the eastern city of abdivka nick Peyton walsh is out front live for us in southern ukraine and nick russian soldiers meeting more ukrainian resistance where you are tell us what's happening on the ground
1: yeah look in multiple locations it's pretty clear that even ukrainian officials at the highest level can't deny there's bad news uh, president Volodymyr zelensky referring to four separate parts of the front line where he said ukraine was doing, sorry some in the background here you're hearing in her song mm-hmm. Uh, a constant artillery duel and it's dark round here, people keeping their lights off so they don't become a target. Now one of the areas that's been mentioned as a place of potential Russian progress claimed at the highest levels in Moscow by the defence minister speaking to Vladimir Putin is in fact just across the river from where I'm standing, a place called Krinky, which had been a place where Ukrainians had pushed across the river trying to get towards Crimea, held that position in great peril, many losses, and now Russia yesterday claimed they'd essentially cleaned. The ukrainians away from there ukraine denied that vehemently and even showed a drone video of russians putting up a flag and then fleeing that particular area but still it's one of four places where russia claims they're putting a lot of pressure on the ukrainians another one is near avdivka where ukrainian commanders say russia still has enough strength to keep pushing forward on to the next village there's pressure to the south of that too near an area called marinka and also to the north of avdivka near Kharkiv, an area called Kup. Piansk. All bad news for Ukraine being no doubt, and Volodymyr Zelensky talking about all those four separate areas, whilst also saying, look, in the last week we've taken out seven Russian fighter jets, but Kiev now having to thread this complex balance between being as candid as they can to their Western partners about how that lack of Western aid is translating into real losses uh, of territory and men on the battlefield, but also keep morale high. But still, it's fascinatingly awful, frankly, for those watching this war, Brianna, on the Ukrainian side to observe how many places now it's clear Ukraine is under intense pressure, Brianna.
0: Yeah, we'll see if that is heard here in Washington or if it continues to fall on some of these deaf ears. Nick Payton-Walsh, thank you for that report. Out front now, Abbas Galliamov. He's a former speechwriter for Vladimir Putin. Abbas, thank you for being with us tonight. And you've heard Vladimir Putin vowing he will push ahead with Russia making gains in eastern Ukraine, most notably in the key city of Avdivka. What do you think this does to Putin's plans in Ukraine since he's gaining territory there?
2: Well, this is really going to strengthen his uh, domestic standing, and it will really um, suppress this, uh, you know, this um, um, uh, this displeasure this discontent, which was obviously growing uh, in, in, in Russia. You know, this election campaign, which is underway in Russia now, it, it, it started in, in in a really bad way for him. And so this victory is now breaking the trend, the negative trend. It's, uh, it's now, again, he's uh, on the winning end, and uh, it's uh, solidifying his control over the country. And it means he, he might... Uh, actually get control strong enough so that uh, the result of the election uh, would really le- legitimize him. Like It would again seem that like, the whole Russian population voted for him. For now, if there had been no this victory, uh, he would have failed to do this, to achieve this end. Uh, it would have become uh, you know, obvious that uh, the, like, he stole the election. He, he stole the victory it was not genuine victory but now with this uh, strong background of military uh, achievement he might produce the impression which uh, like would allow him to get additional injection of legitimacy which he really badly needs with all his ratings going down for 2 years
0: there are two russian media outlets reporting that mourners at memorials for alexei navalny are being detained They are also being given summonses to report for military service, which is uh, a pretty big punishment here. Could that backfire or is his response so punitive, so aggressive that the effect is that it totally crushes dissent?
2: Well, sooner or later it will definitely backfire. You know, because this discontent is growing, and at some moment it will become so strong, probably it would happen at the moment of military defeat or some military riot, uh, something like what happened during Prigozhin's time, or maybe at some other moment, but it will explode and it will be very strong. Actually, you know, the crackdown is very strong now, so I'm not expecting anything like an explosion or revolution to happen right now, but it's just uh, gaining, uh, you know, potential. The vast majority of the population, not proponents of the opposition, those who were previously loyal to Putin, but they don't like this crackdown. And uh, they are becoming more and more, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, unloyal.
0: Boss, I also want to ask you about Navalny's death, because his family, his team, many others look at this, and they say Putin is behind Navalny's death. Of course, the Kremlin denies that, but if we examine that as a possibility, why would Putin choose now to have Navalny killed if that's what has happened here?
2: You know, it's very complicated in dynamics inside the Russian uh, politics in Putin's entourage and Russian society in general. You know, this technocratic group, let's call them like this, which are, they're not deaths, they're just more technocratic who are against escalation, they suffered a big defeat. They actually let Putin down very strong because they allowed this uh, opposition candidate, Nadezhdin, to start the procedure of gathering uh, signatures to have himself registered for the election. And and this, this thing opened m- made an opening in, in, in the brick wall. All of a sudden, Russian people felt that it was not punishable to display their anti-war sentiment by giving signatures, and so the whole country lined up in this long queues. People were standing in lines in uh, Nadezhden, um, you know, uh, headquarters, uh, trying to give their signatures to support him. And so he feels that, like, since discontent is growing and it's big, the only thing you can do is uh, really to chop off heads uh, of all the opposition leaders, so that at least let this discontent be like, you know, unstructured, mm. so that uh, leaderless, uh, because, like, the election is coming, and what if these leaders, then they're, they're trying to, to, to organize some kind of activity, anti-Putin activity. So it's better for them to be totally disorganized.
0: Well, Russians may want an alternative, but certainly their alternatives are, are diminishing. We're seeing that before our eyes. Abbas Galimov, thank you so much for your time this evening.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Out front next, we'll speak to the boyfriend of the American who is now being held in Russia after allegedly donating money, and a small sum at that, to a Ukrainian charity. uh, He just received a letter from his girlfriend, so what is she saying to him tonight? Plus, Republicans just wrapping up a closed-door meeting with Biden's brother as they scramble after their star source for information on the Biden family, uh, after their star source was just indicted for lying. And CNN learning, that the president's dog has now bitten Secret Service personnel at least 24 times. We're going to tell you what the Biden family is saying about it.
3: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like.
0: Tonight, detained in Russia. New details about the 33-year-old from Los Angeles who is now behind bars in Russia on charges of treason after allegedly donating about $51 to a Ukrainian charity. Her boyfriend, Chris Van Heerden, who we're going to speak with here in just a moment, is telling out front that she went to Russia on January 2nd to visit her family. Almost immediately was picked up by Russian authorities, but then was released and then arrested again this month Van Heerden who also just received a letter from uh, Ksenia calls her the sweetest, kindest person that you will ever meet, someone full of love and joy. But now this woman who is a U.S.-Russian dual citizen is facing years in prison, the possibility of that, because Russia is accusing her of, quote, providing financial assistance to a foreign state in activities directed against Russian security. And tonight, according to the State Department, the Kremlin is so far refusing U.S. officials to have any contact with Karolina.
4: Russia does not recognize dual citizenship, considers them to be Russian citizens first and foremost. And so oftentimes we have a difficult uh, time getting consular assistance, but we will pursue it uh, in all matters where a U.S. citizen is detained.
0: Matthew Chance is out front live in Moscow for us. And Matthew, what are the Russians saying about Karolina's detention here?
4: Well, they're saying they've remanded her in custody until April, and they're also putting a bit more detail on uh, what she is suspected of doing. Uh, A statement from the FSB, which is the Federal Security Service here, the old KGB, uh, their press office saying that since February 2022, she proactively collected money... In the interests of Ukrainian organisations, which was subsequently used, it says, to purchase medicine, items, equipment, weapons and ammunition for the armed forces of Ukraine. In addition, in the United States, the FSB says she took part in public rallies in support of the Kiev regime. So pro-Ukrainian uh, rallies. Now, these don't see- this doesn't seem like much, but in the context of the environment in Russia right now, where... There is deep suspicion to anybody who shows any kind of dissent. This was enough to attract the attention of the Russian security services and to actually now charge her with treason, an incredibly serious crime, obviously, in which, if she's found guilty, she could face up to 20 years in prison. And so uh, it really is astonishing that, that, that someone like Ksenia Karelina who is, uh, to my understanding, works in, in a, a beauty parlor in Los Angeles. She's not an activist uh, necessarily or a, or a or a campaigner in any way, but she should be targeted in this way by the Russian authorities.
0: All right, uh, Matthew, thank you for that report. Out front now, Chris Van Heerden, who is the boyfriend of Ksenia Karyalina. Uh, Chris, first, just tell us a little bit about Ksenia. What should people know about who she is?
5: She is, she is the light of the room. She is a very positive, very friendly, very happy, very funny girl that's got so much life in her. She is so alive, full of joy. And I tell you what, anybody that gets to speak to her falls in love with her because that's who she is. She's just a light. She, she's, she's so kind. She sees the good in everyone, believe me. She's unbelievable. She's just... She's unbelievable.
0: Chris, I know this is very difficult,, uh, the situation that she's finding herself in and that you are going through with this. Can you tell us a little bit about the circumstances of how she decided to go to Russia, how she was detained, and if if she had any fear that anything like this could happen?
5: she, she, uh, this, she had no fear. She was so proud to be going home. She's I mean, she's so proud Russian as she is American. But she was just excited to go. Home. She hasn't been home in a while. I mean, there was a pandemic, there's a war, so she hasn't been home in a while. She was just excited. She was more worried about not being around her grandparents, and and they are very old, and she wanted to spend time with grandparents. So I, of course, bought a plane ticket for both. Then, surprised and that's it's hard for me because I bought that plane ticket. Um, but she had no idea. We had no idea. And then, and then, um, we went to Istanbul for New Year's. Spent four days in Istanbul, and and where she went on to go home, and I came back to LA. And and I remember the last conversation. She was so happy that she would be able to see her mom and her dad and grandparents and little baby sisters, eight years old. And uh, yeah, I mean. The flight from Istanbul to, to her hometown, yekaterinburg was four hours and my flight back to LA was 14. So by the time I got back to LA, I was supposed to have a message and I didn't. And I reached out to her and no reply. And a couple of hours later she phoned me and um, she told me what, what happened and um, she got detained as she entered.
0: She was detained as she was uh, as she entered, but then she was released. And d- at that point, did she have no worries that anything further would happen? Tell us about that. What happened before she all, was ultimately all, detained?
5: All I know, all I know, is when she got detained and released, they sent her back home. She was able to go see family, and and, and I, I do know they kept her phone. They held onto her phone, so me and her had contact through her. <sighs> through her mother's phone. Um, but as time led on to her coming back, which is about three weeks, like we never spoke about anything. She didn't want to speak about anything. Um, two days before her flying back to, to LA, I, I had to ask, I said, is everything good? Um, are you coming home? Right, I pick you up at the airport, knowing she doesn't have a phone yet. And she was told not to leave her city, And she said, yes, she said, babe, it's, it's It's all good. I spoke to them and they said I can come and get my phone and it's all good. And I remember the last hour before all of this happened was she was so excited and relieved that nothing is wrong and she can go home. And um, it was was a Friday morning in Russia, which means it was Thursday night here. I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I never heard back from her.
0: And you saw this video, which we are seeing. You have since... Not spoken to her, but you have just received a, a letter from her. Can you tell us anything about what she said, and if you know anything about the conditions that she's facing? Sorry, I'm, Watching I'm sorry, this is
5: just, Wow. In the letter, she um, she's more worried about me. That's who she is. She's more worried about me and I'm like, and she's telling this beautiful, it's a, it's a love story. She's telling these beautiful memories that, that she's holding that gives her motivation, is all these good memories. And, um, but she also makes it clear that it's day by day. One day she wakes up and she's so positive and so strong and believes that she will be home soon. She believes in, the, in America. She believes that they will help her get home. And then one day she she says, one day it's like I'll just sit on my bed and stare at a wall for hours, like knowing that I'm gonna be here forever. Because that's what she's thinking. Um I know she's safe. She 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 made that clear to me that she's with two people, two ladies, that's very kind and very good and she's has she's she's got conversation in there and um yeah, she's just telling all. She's just more worried about me, and that breaks me hard because she, she—that's who she is. She cares about everyone, but herself.
0: And Chris, I know, you, like I said, you haven't, um, you haven't spoken to her. Were you, were you aware of of this donation that she had made to a Ukraine charity? I mean, it's a pretty paltry sum in the scheme of things here. Had she talked about that?
5: No, no, she. Um, like, she, she's so proud to be Russian. And I'll tell, I mean that, like, she is so proud to be Russian. And she, she doesn't watch the news. She doesn't intervene with, with anything about the war. And, and um, she's proud to be Russian. And we never spoke about it. Like, she doesn't want to speak about it. She's just like, you know, like I said, if you saw how happy she was to go home, she did not have a worry in her world. She did not for the life of her think that she would be in this situation.
0: So when you see, because ahead of her next hearing, which is February 29th, the Russian government is accusing Ksenia of treason, which could bring the sentence of up to 20 years in prison. Um, you know w- what goes what goes through your mind as you hear that?
5: Knowing Ksenia is that's the difficult part. Is I know who she is. She's, she's so full of life. She needs to be out there. She, in, in the sense of she needs to be with her friends. She needs to live life because she, lo- she loves life. And knowing that this, this is the same woman that, she's a beauty esthetician. She's a full-time esthetician. This is who she is. She takes care of herself. And knowing that where she is right now, she cannot take care of herself. I know how mad that drives her because she's got to wash her face. She's got to do her hair, and, and she's got she's got to take care of her skin. And knowing to you to just read and hear a life sentence in 20 years hurts. It it it's really difficult to 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 get that. And the only thing that really helps me right now, and 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 I'm sure she'll I I, I, I don't know, but is the fact that you guys, the media, show so much love and support and. I believe in America. I, I do believe that America will bring her back to me and that that's the hope I'm holding on to.
0: Well, Chris, listening to you, you're, you're talking about the, the small things she enjoys that you were so sad that she will not be able to. Um, and we thank you so much for sharing with us about Ksenia. Absolutely. And we'll stay in touch and, with you. Thank you. And,
5: and 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 if this means anything, like I know she's got a court hearing in in on the twenty ninth she's she's got to be again, and what I just learned is she was supposed to have one yesterday, and she did not have a lawyer to represent her now i I do understand people are afraid to just touch this, but we do have lawyers that's willing to help and it's it's, it's an insane amount of money so we've created the goFundMe page that which will be active soon and in in god like God forbid people god willing people will just help and that so that she just know, it broke my heart to know she sat there and she didn't even have a lawyer. So we just wanna help her in any way,
6: please.
0: I know, I know Chris, that is such a huge concern for you right now. And we thank you so much for speaking about her with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Chris Van Herding. we appreciate your time tonight. Out front now is Andrei Soldatov, Russian investigative journalist whose website has been blocked in Russia. Uh, Andrei, what did you think of what you just heard there from Ksenia Karyalina's boyfriend?
7: Well, it is clear that the local office of the FSB was tasked to keep tabs on everyone with uh, an American passport in the region. So that's why they detained here immediately. And after that, they informed the headquarters of the FSB in Moscow. And after that, it was up to Moscow, uh, the headquarters of the FSB in Moscow, to decide what to do about her. So that is why she was detained the second time, uh, to find something which might incriminate her. Uh, so either they hacked her devices and they found uh, uh, the information about this transfer, or maybe they had some information prior to... Uh, the arrest, but it is absolutely clear to me that as uh, a main goal of the whole operation is to build up a bank of hostages with American passports.
0: So that's the motive as you see it, is to build up a bank of hostages.
7: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Moscow wants desperately to have a conversation with the Americans and they need to have some leverage. The more Americans they can have as hostages, the better for them.
0: So, you think it's very possible, because now we're learning from her boyfriend. She was initially detained, they took her device. She was actually using a relative's device to then contact someone else's phone to contact him. You think that they learned about this donation, which is a small sum. I mean, we're talking $51.80 to first responders in Ukraine. Uh, to, do you think that they just took that from her device? What do you think the likelihood is that they are tracking that kind of thing more broadly of uh, Russian-Americans who might be returning home to see family or, or so on?
7: I think uh, these two options are equally possible. They could find this information on her device. It is absolutely possible they had time for that, but also they could have some information prior to her uh, coming to Yekaterinburg, Uh, because of course, Russian security services, as we know, they are getting more and more active at infiltrating, uh, well, banking systems uh, used to, uh, to fund and to, uh, to help refugees and uh, hum- and uh, civil society in Ukraine and in Russia. So it's about both opportunities are, are possible.
0: Andrei Soldatov, thank you for being with us. Out front next, Uh, President Biden's brother grilled by Republicans as the GOP tries to salvage their impeachment inquiry, now removing any mention of the man that was their star source of information on the Bidens. Plus, a CNN investigation into a strike on a U.N. convoy that was carrying crucial aid to people in Gaza. That convoy was promised safe passage, but it was hit. The
3: Assignment with me, Audie Cornish.
0: Just moments ago, House Republicans wrapping up an interview with President Biden's brother behind closed doors as they try and push through their effort to impeach the president. This sit-down lasting more than eight hours and happening despite the fact that the GOP's star source for information on the Biden family was just indicted for lying. Those lies had been the centerpiece of the Republicans' impeachment push. Top House Republicans, including Congressman Jim Jordan, pointing to an interview the informant, Alexander Smirnov did with the FBI uh, form describing this called a 1023.
3: The most corroborating evidence we have is that 1023 form from this highly credible confidential human
0: source. The most corroborating evidence now not so much.
4: What Smirnov said is not true. Do you concede that? Well,
3: yeah, that's what the FBI is saying.
0: Evan Perez is out in uh, out front in Washington. And Evan, I know that you've been digging into Smirnov's background here, his history with the FBI. What are you learning?
8: Well, Brianna, we have learned that uh, as early as 2020, when uh, Smirnov first tells the FBI these allegations about uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden that they were getting, they were going to get five million dollars apiece from this Ukrainian company Burisma, that the FBI believed or had reason to believe that uh, he was lying, that they could not corroborate uh, at least some of the claims that he was making, and there was some suspicion that. Uh, at least some of the claims were false. The question is, you know, what happened after that? What we know is that uh, Scott Brady, who was the U.S. Attorney in Pittsburgh, who had been uh, assessing some of this information, that he turned it over to David Weiss, the U.S. Attorney uh, in Delaware, who uh, has indicted Hunter Biden uh, in a couple of cases. And he's the one who's now charging uh, Smirnov with these, uh, lying to the FBI with these false claims. Uh, So the question is, Brianna, what happened in the intervening three years? During which time, of course, Republicans kind of latched on to this and have, you know, ran with it, uh, including making it public. We also know, uh, Brianna, that it's no indication that Smirnov was ever uh, polygraphed, which is a standard part of the FBI's process to vet sources. We don't know exactly why. Uh, we know that he was a-, a source for some foreign intelligence services in addition to the FBI. Uh, that's part of the appeal in some ways for FBI when they're running these, these informants, but really you know, the, the complications of running someone like this is part of what I think the FBI, uh, the Justice Department, David Weiss, uh, are now facing questions over, and I think you're gonna hear a lot more from members of Congress as to why it took this long to unravel these alleged lies.
0: Yeah, lots of questions, Evan. Thank you for that report. Out front now, Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter. She sits on the Oversight Committee. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you for being with us. Can can you tell us what happened at that closed door hearing today?
9: What we heard today was that there's no evidence that James Biden um, had any engagement um, with the president or took, uh, or that President Biden took any official action on his behalf. This is remarkably consistent. Once again, what we learned is there is no evidence that President Biden committed an impeachable offense. And so Republicans have said this was about following the evidence. It has been followed to a dead end. And now I think it's time to look at the evidence going the other direction, what we're learning about possible Russian interference in our democracy.
0: Uh, I want to listen to something that Congressman Matt Gates said. He left the meeting questioning James Biden's credibility. Here it is.
4: There are a lot of things that
0: okay.
4: uh, Mr. Biden is saying in there that are directly contradicted by documents.
0: Are, are you aware of those contradictions?
9: I have not seen any of those contradictions, and I think that if those contradictions did exist, we would be hearing about them with some specificity and some detail. Look, I think it's telling that Republicans continue to conduct these proceedings behind closed doors rather than in the public, where the public can decide for themselves whether Mr. Biden, whether James Biden, is a credible witness. The reality is, I understand the need to to look into allegations. They have done that month after month after month. And what we have found on the Oversight Committee is no evidence to support an impeachable offense.
0: You say this is now uh, a dead end very clearly. Listen to what Republican Congressman Andy Biggs says. No
7: second thoughts thoughts about this?
8: No, no, because because there's other corroborating evidence with other other links to to the president.
0: Do you think it's possible Republicans still have other evidence aside from what they had from this informant?
9: Given that this has been going on and has consumed so much of the Oversight Committee's time and work this year, if they had strong evidence, we would have seen it long, long ago. What the Oversight Committee needs to do is go back to working on behalf of the American people. This is a committee I've served on for several years. It's the committee where I got the Center for Disease Control director to commit to free COVID testing for every American, where I held big pharma's feet to the fire. Even with Republican leadership, we've had productive hearings early in this Congress about topics like unemployment fraud, and it's just devolved into this wild goose chase. If Republicans have good evidence, we would have seen it long ago.
0: As you said, this is, uh, you know, Republicans falling for Russian disinformation. And certainly Smirnov is a Fabergé egg on the face for Republicans. But Democrats have had something of their own before. In 2017, when they peddled what was the later largely discredited Steele dossier about Trump and Russia... Do you have concerns that the political animosity, the divisions are so severe that both parties are vulnerable to furthering disinformation?
9: Well, when... Um, Any member of Congress, Democrat or Republican, makes an incorrect or false statement, that is a problem and they have to fully own that. Um, And so I think that did help feed into this um, culture of distrust and, and partisan bickering. But I think my job is to stay squarely focused on the people that I work for, the American people, if there was evidence of wrongdoing. I would be side by side with my Republican colleagues in pursuing it, but there is no such evidence. And if there's not, it is not an appropriate use of taxpayer resources to continue to pursue something merely for political purposes when the Oversight Committee needs to be doing investigations into things like price gouging, needs to be tackling problems
0: like the cost of prescription drugs. Congresswoman Katie Porter, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Out front next, a CNN exclusive, a U.N. convoy delivering aid into Gaza and coming under fire. It was promised safe passage. So why was it hit by an airstrike and a small spacecraft barreling toward the moon? If it sticks the landing, it will be the first U.S. moon landing in more than 50 years. Tonight, a race against the clock for a hostage deal with Hamas. Israel's War Cabinet minister saying, quote, there are, quote, uh, there are, quote, initial signs of progress. That optimism coming, though, with a warning that Israel will invade Rafah if there's no real progress here in the next two weeks. And it comes as an exclusive CNN investigation has revealed a shocking attack on a U.N. aid convoy trying to deliver desperately needed aid to Gaza. Katie Polgase is out front.
6: This is how desperate the people in northern Gaza are. This aid truck filmed at the end of January is one of the last to enter the region. And here's why, aid so often caught in the fighting. Now CNN can exclusively reveal that this truck carrying vital food headed for northern Gaza was hit on February 5th by an Israeli shell, despite an agreement to provide a safe route. CNN has seen the internal U.N. incident report and the correspondence between the U.N. and the Israeli military that show the route of this convoy was agreed upon in advance. And with starvation imminent for many across Gaza, experts say hitting a food truck is a potential war crime. Looking at it with the available facts, It's really difficult to see how this could be a legal um, attack. And so at minimum, it would look like a very serious violation of international humanitarian law.
8: Whether it's also criminal then depends on questions of intent.
6: The truck set off as part of a UN-marked convoy of 10 up Al-Rashid Road in the early hours. It reached an IDF holding point at 4.15am. Stationary for over an hour, it was then hit at 5.35am. Fortunately, no one on board was killed. The UN says they were hit by Israeli naval gunfire and in satellite imagery taken just two hours after the attack, CNN identified ships that could only be Israeli naval boats. They've been deployed along the coast and are attacking Gaza from the west. We share with the Israeli army the coordinates of the the convoy, and only when the Israeli army gives us the OK, the green light, uh, does Anra move. And the purpose of this deconfliction process is to make sure that aid convoys don't get hit. It's not the first time this has happened. Many other aid trucks have been hit since the beginning of this conflict. The UN says northern Gaza is still home to reported 300,000 civilians. UNRWA says half of its mission requests to the north have been denied since January. And since this latest attack, they have taken the painful decision to stop trying to deliver aid to the north at all. The IDF says it's helping to coordinate humanitarian relief in Gaza. But aid agencies say they face repeated delays, while some staff are detained and even tortured. A UN mission in December described one aid worker who said he was stripped, beaten and blindfolded. Even when convoys are allowed through, some routes are simply not passable. This large crater blocking Al-Rashid Road just weeks before it was designated by the IDF as the main route permitted for humanitarian vehicles. Such large percentages of the population are at such dire need, at such immediate risk of starvation. From that perspective, it's really hard for me to understand what kind of um, potential military rationale could um, be advanced to justify actions like this. As the humanitarian crisis deepens, the question is whether Israel will be held accountable in a court of law for depriving so many in Gaza of aid. Katie Poglay, CNN. London.
0: Out front next, the U.S. attempting its first moon landing in more than 50 years. So how hard will it be to pull off? And new Secret Service documents obtained by CNN reveal the Biden's dog has bitten Secret Service personnel at least two dozen times. Tonight, you're looking at just how close the spaceship Odysseus is to the moon right now. A new image posted just moments ago showing the moon's surface here. Ahead of its historic but uncertain moon landing tomorrow. The landing itself terrifying and also incredibly difficult. More than half of all attempts have failed. Kristen Fisher is out front. And
2: with.
10: Just days after lifting off from Florida, Odysseus is now barreling towards the moon, sending back spectacular pictures of Earth along the way and is now hours away from the most perilous test yet for the robotic lunar lander. A soft or controlled landing on the surface of the moon.
3: Go for launch.
10: Intuitive Machines is trying to pull off something no private company has done, and if successful, it will be the first time an American-made spacecraft has done it since the last Apollo mission in 1972.
2: We are steely-eyed rocket scientists, but deep down, uh, this is quite an emotional feeling to uh, to be here at this position.
10: Just last month, the Pennsylvania company, Astrobotic Technology, had its first lunar landing mission end in failure. And last year, the Japanese company, iSpace, and the government of Russia both crashed landers into the moon. So why is it so tough to repeat a feat that was first accomplished more than half a century ago?
6: That's one small step for man.
10: The biggest reason is also the most frustratingly terrestrial one, money. NASA's budget at the peak of the Apollo program was more than 4% of all U.S. government spending. Today, NASA's budget is one-tenth the size, just 0.4%, even as NASA attempts to return astronauts to the moon under the Artemis program. In an effort to save money, NASA is outsourcing robotic lunar landings to companies like Intuitive Machines for a fraction of what it cost in the 1960s and 70s.
2: Do it for $100 million when in the past it's been billions of dollars.
10: Then there's the purely technical challenge of landing a spacecraft in a specific spot roughly a quarter of a million miles away.
2: Some people have likened it to, uh, you know, hitting a golf ball in New York and having it go into a particular hole in one in L.A.
10: The distance means there's also a time delay, roughly three seconds for signals from mission control rooms on Earth to get to the moon and back.
2: A lot can go wrong in that time. So when the vehicle is actually landing, It pretty much is on its own. There
10: we go. Finally, there's the experience factor, the loss of the Apollo-era expertise that no amount of new technology can make up for.
2: Simply because somebody else did it in an earlier age doesn't mean that this generation or this organization can do it. These are people doing it for the first time and uh, there's no no substitute for that experience. We all collectively have to be resilient to failures, and we all have to be helping each other lift up and break down these barriers so that we can begin a lunar economy. That's what this is, a beginning of uh, an emerging economy around the moon.
10: By this time tomorrow night, we will know if Odysseus has succeeded or failed. It all comes down to this. The landing is set for 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. And, Brianna, one more thing I should note. This is also the first time that anyone is attempting to land on the south pole of the moon. Scientists say that's where water and ice is. It's where America wants to land astronauts. And China does, too. So it's a competitive spot, Brianna.
0: All right, we're crossing our fingers and our toes, hoping they pull it off. Kristen Fisher, thank you so much. Out front next, the president's dog involved in at least 24 biting incidents, one requiring multiple stitches, another tearing through a Secret Service agent's shirt. Tonight, new documents obtained by CNN show President Biden's dog, Commander, has bitten Secret Service personnel at least 24 times, and that's in addition to at least 11 previously reported biting incidents. They weren't just all little nicks, either. This is a Secret Service agent's shirt after a commander bit him in the chest. A bite to a different agent required six stitches. The first dog has since been removed from the White House. Thanks for joining us. AC 360 starts now.